What's up? This is Ralph Trezvan. You're listening to Reviews and Done with my dude, Derek Dunn. Keep it locked, fam. That's why I chose Walk to do uh, that song with me on 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 the Moose Wing album. Um, shoot, <laughs> the name. What's the name of the song? Because uh, because uh, I I came up with the storyline about how to how to treat my how to uh, you know how to treat my woman. You know what I'm saying? So I came up with that storyline. Uh, um, give her your love. That's the name of it. Give her your love. And me and Walk. You hear that song, man? You you swear song? You swearing down? We should have a hit record, cause me and Walt worked well together. Our voices complemented each other on that record. It was it was it was calculated. It was deliberate. Moose Wing was deliberate, man. And I called it Moose Wing because I was in a different mood every single time I cut in the studio. I was in a different mood every single time. And I'm a cancer, so I'm moody anyway. But that's why I called it Moose Swing. Because every every song had his own his own um own um place and space when I cut. I start a certain way every time. I can love you. I wrote that song without Jay Sean. Jay Sean did the, the um did the production on it, but I wrote that song in like what, hour and a half? I woke up and wrote it. Got up, sun was shining, I wrote the song. That's how it went. Again, I hope I answered your question. <laughs> you good, brother. Like I said, it's all um it's all knowledge. I'm I'm here to hear testimony and like I'm, in, yes, I'm just sir. enjoying hearing you. So let's get That's into exactly this. Um, what it is. Let's get into this reminds me video, which you also co directed, my brother, a man of many talents. Yeah. <clears throat> Long form video, and it opens up with you playing NBA 2K. So, Mr. Look, Eric Grant is going to put a smackdown on somebody in NBA 2K. What team is he using? Because when you playing, I, I can tell you probably won a lot of bets from a lot of, from from against a lot of your homies just playing NBA 2K, like taking people's money, like his second nature to you. Do your team do. Mr. Dunn, listen. You saw who I was. You saw who I was playing 2K with. Yeah, Cavs. Huh? You the Cavs? No. Right? Did you see the Did you see the guy who I was playing? Oh no, I was focusing on the. Uh, your oh, okay, you on. didn't focus on the guy. You, well, you when I tell you this, you gonna go back and watch it. The guy that I was playing was Charles Oakley. Wow. That's who I was playing. Charles Oakley was playing me with the Knicks. Yeah. You were using the cash. He was playing me. He was pl- he was playing me with himself. What? Yes, that's what made this. Man, look, <clears throat> look, man. I wrote that. I wrote that. Um, I wrote that. Um, that video on the plane coming to do the video. I just told my guy. I got a. I got a. I got another partner that um has his own video company, and we became very good friends through Mark Gordon of Levert. Mark Gordon introduced me to him, and me and the guy hit it off, and we became like a team. And he kept telling me, he kept saying, Eric, I need the treatment. I need you to send me that treatment. I need you to fax me that treatment. I need you to email me that treatment. I said, James, just relax. I got it. I, mean, I need the treatment, though. I need to be able to see it. I said, James, 
follow my lead, do what I ask you to do, and we'll be all right. That's how I wrote that. I wrote that on the plane, going to go shoot the, the video, real speech, and did it in a, and did it in like what, eighteen hours? I did it in eighteen hours, and then left back out and went and did a show, on the West Coast. I cut all that in one day. The entire video. That um, the basement where I was doing the two K. It's one of my good friends. He, Actually, he lived next door to me. I shot that in his basement next door to me because my basement wasn't finished, and his was. And he had all the stuff that I needed to because I wanted to shoot it, playing 2K in the basement, you know, in you know, like in in a man cave. My basement was not finished because I had just I'm not I ain't gonna say just but I had my house built but I didn't finish the basement, and I'm trying to. You know, right, even right now, I'm still finishing the basement, <laughs> but uh, well, I'm closer than I was before. But um, so I went next door and cut and did and did the um, and did the video in his basement. And Oak came over. Oak is like my baby brother. He's like my baby brother. I've had him. I've had him with me since the seventh grade. You know what I'm saying? That's, that means we think of Steve. So, um, I, so he was in town, and I said, oh, I need you to come do this video with me right quick. He said, okay, where? Gave him the address. He came over. So when Oak came over, like, what, we, uh, what you want to do? I said, I want you to film us shooting, uh, playing 2K. I said, I got a nice idea, man. I'm going to play him. With the, I'm going to play the Cavs against the New York Knicks. And that's what I did. And so we, so we, so we shot it like that. And then, a couple of hours later, had another friend of mine who had his own, had his own club, the Tabo downtown Cleveland. I said, man, I need your, I need your club. I said, um, and I said, I tell you what, let me use your club, and you can cater. I pay for your catering, you give me the club, and I, I'll make sure your name is on the, um, you know, in on the video with you, because if you look at the video when it's shot, I spend about. I spent about 20 seconds just on the name Tavo. So he gave me his club, and I paid for the catering. Cool. And then I just started, I just told everybody as I was on the plane, I started texting everybody that I was doing the video. I got real, I'm not glorifying this by no means, but I'm just letting you know who's in the video. I got real pimps in the video. If you can believe it, I'm serious. I, I, got, I got four. I got, I got four real bona fide pimps in the video. I mean, you gotta understand. I come from that life too. I come from you know. I come from a street life too. So I got yeah. a lot of street buddies. You know what I'm saying? So I called them. Some of my little druggies. Some of my little you know what I'm saying. My little thug buddies. Uh, the guys that that's in the dancing, the hand dancing community. Now, I just put a blast out there and just told everybody I'm doing the video. Just come down, free food. All I had to do was put free food on there. Drinks on me. Everybody came down, and it, so I, you saw me cut everything in that club. Oak came, you know, he drove up with his Bentley, so that's why you see me coming up with him in the Bentley. That's Charles Oakley that came out, got out the car with me. 
who came in. That's Mark Gordon from Levert that daps me up when I come when I uh, when I come in. I, I amen. And that and the the, the the announcer, the guy that said, you know, we're gonna bring him up to the stage, Mr. Eric Nolan. That's the DJ from Bone Thugs and Harmony. That's DJ Ice. Yeah. The big guy that 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 played the manager of the club owned like five or six clubs in Cleveland. He was one of the biggest he was one of, at the time he was one of the biggest um um black entrepreneurs in the city of Cleveland and he was my man. Me and him was taking seats. Because when I when I first joined the OJs I used to always go to his club. You know what I'm saying? And and you know, let him announce I was there and all that kind of stuff. You know what I'm saying? I was you know, I was down with him, he was down with me. I did all this on the fly. DJ Ice came to the came to the video shoot and said, "Hey man, how you gonna have a video and you ain't got no part for me at all? So I got a part for you right now." I sure did. I didn't write him in the script. I put it in the script right when he came to the club. Man, man, you know I gotta support my homie, but how you gonna have a video and you ain't got no script for me? I said, "I got a script for you right now. This is what you gonna do." I said, "Hey James, this is what he's doing." Sure did. I wrote everything that day. That day. Every video you see me with, I wrote. I had without a pen in the paper. I ain't do it with no piece of no I do James already know now. He already know. When his boys ask for, you know, people that works with him say, Man, well, what um, what's the treatment? He said, Man, trust me. He don't have one. I miss you video, no treatment. I had no treatment. I just told him what I wanted to do. I said I wanted to do it in a white room. He found me a room. We went and painted it white. My buddy Robert Murray came with me. Got a bucket of paint. We got a bucket of paint. We painted it white. We painted the table white. We painted the chair white. Cause I wanted a white room, an all white room. Yeah. And in the beginning, I miss you video. That's done on an iPhone. I did that. I did that on an iPhone in uh, Dominican Republic. And said, "Man, I want to use. I want to shoot." I said, "Man, come on, man. Let's shoot. Uh, I want to shoot parts of my video in the Dominican Republic." I said, "Man, who got an iPhone?" One of my guys that work on the tour with us, that works on the uh, in the in the uh, the music crew. One of my guys, Sam, that works on the music crew with Jonas. He was the one who filmed it on his iPhone. So that little piece that's in there with us on top of this high mountain look overlooking the city, I was in the Dominican Republic. And we and I sent it to James and James put it in the video. I do all this off of, just it comes all this stuff comes out the top of my head. This is why how, how I think. I think every single day. Every single day of my life I'm thinking. Every single day. I don't sleep. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I'm not, well, I should rephrase it. I go to sleep, but I very rarely rest. I only rest when I'm on the road. So, the in my life video. This is what I want to do, James. The I miss you video. This is what we're gonna do, James. And and actually, the I miss you video, James had. A nice hand in that. He had a nice little hand in that because he knew how I think. So he's like, well, let's try this and let's try that. And I said, okay, let's do this and let's do that, James. And James had more of a hand in I Miss You video um, than he usually have. 
But on my way, I did that. Jay Sean came up with the all-black affair. Jay Sean said, Unc, you need to have an all-black affair. I said, okay. I said, let's put it on social media. I'm having an all-black affair on this such such day. And we put it on social media. Everybody came out. And then after I got finished cutting the video, I said, you know what would be dope? If we go downtown and we shoot a scene under the, under the, um, under the chandelier. They said, okay, let's go. And then we went down there and did it. I said, I made that up at the, at the video shoot. I made it up at the video shoot. So if you see the On My Way video and we dancing up on the chandelier, we did it like at 3 o'clock in the morning when there was hardly no, when there was like no cars downtown. Yeah, man. I just, it just comes to me, and I just do it. I just do it. So I got four videos out. The Who is Eric Nolan video, I just came up with it. I said, James, I want to do a Who is Eric Nolan video because people don't really know who I am. Yeah, I'm in the OJs, and they know me when I'm with Eddie and Walt, but I don't think they really know me. So let's just give them a little bit of who I am. You know what I'm saying? So we made it so that it would be like a part two, and then that's when COVID-19 hit, and we weren't able to do it because I was just getting ready to do an unplug. I was getting ready to do an unplug, man. It's, it's incredible. The unplug I was going to do was like none, none other unplug you've seen. I was going to do an unplug where we're just doing around 40 people. They're, you know, just having finger food. We're just chilling. We're having a conversation. One of the band members get up, start playing. Another band member started joining in. Another band member started joining in. And I come up there and say, man, let me get some of this. And then I started doing it. And then, we, they, then they, they just so happened to be playing I Miss You. And then I started doing I Miss You live. And we will have people. We had a boom. We will have a boom over the people where they're saying, you know, where you can actually hear them having a conversation. Whatever they're talking about. This is going to be on some cool you know, just a cool unplug, and I'm do like five songs. I got a big sign made, a big um, neon light sign over at Eric's room. Oh man, I just come up with it. I don't stop. I'm not going to stop because I do believe that if I keep going jab, that I may, you know, be able to punch somebody out. I think I might be able to. Um, I think I might be able to you know, get something. It just ain't my time yet, you know? Yeah. It's not my time yet, but when my time comes, I'll be ready. You know what I'm saying? Like I told, like I told you in the video, I don't, I, I'm not going to get ready. I'm going to be ready. But my time is going to come. All I got to do is keep on putting out quality music. In my life, it's still charting. It's still doing, you know, the up and down thing, up and down thing. Some people get hip to it, sales pick up, and it dies off and picks up. On my way, on my way was really, is a really good record. That that really did really good for me. You know, it did. It, it, people got line dances out on that record. You know, they doing they stepping off that record, but you would never know it. <laughs> you would never know it, man. <laughs> oh man, I, I told you, I told you, if you ask me these questions, man, it could get lengthy. So I apologize. I'm not all that. All right, so let's, let's stay in the jazz lane real quick. You know, let's talk about that first solo show you did at, in my home city, Washington, D.C.'s 
Blues Alley, which I'm still upset that I oh. missed. Oh, but, uh, yeah. Look. How's that experience? Okay. Okay. As I told you, I'm a thinker. So one day, Melville Moore, Melville Moore um, put on social media that she was going to be at Blue Valley. I'm sitting in, in my recliner. I'm thinking she's going to be at Blue Valley. I called her. I said, Melba, you're going to be at Blue Valley. Can I come down and do a song with you or do a song before you come out or something? She said, sure. It's just that simple. She said, sure. Come on. I got in my car. Me, um, I got in my car by myself because I got a kid down there that I call my brother. That's, he's Gladys Knight's um, security. And I told him I was coming. I, I said, um, find me a hotel. Find me a hotel. I, um, you know, sent my credit card, got me a room. Went down there on my own gas. Went down there. And everything, I funded everything myself. Went to the club. So I'm thinking that I'm going to come on stage and I'm going to sing this song before Melba comes out. So Melba had already told her band that I was going to that I was going to do this, right? So the band learned the song. The song was um, "You Bring Me Joy." That's what I want to do. You bring me joy because I knew I had a, rede- a rendition of it, but I also knew that that would be something that her crowd could could digest. You know what I'm saying? Then opposed to doing an Eric Nolan song. So I said, I want to do "You Bring Me Joy." So the band learned it, and I'm 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 all geek. I'm I'm ready. I'm ready, man. I'm I'm like oh, I'm about to open up for Melville Moore. Do this one song for Melville Moore. Open up for Melville Moore. You know, as a solo artist. So they never called me on stage, and Melba came on, and they introduced Melba. <laughs> she came on stage, and I was like, this is a move. So she gets in the middle of her show. And she and she stops it and breaks the band down and said, "I got a special guest in the house. I want to bring on stage." And that's how she did it. And she brought me on stage in the middle of her show, where I had the attention of everybody. And I did. You bring me joy, and got a standing ovation off of that record. So Melba asked me what I do this because she was doing two shows, and she said, "You want to stay for the second show?" I said, "Yeah." But the first time I did, you bring me joy. I was a little nervous, you know what I'm saying? Because I didn't know how, to, how her crowd was going to take me, how I was going to really do, all that kind of stuff. My mouth got dry, I, you know what I'm saying? I was dry, so I wasn't really, like, killing the notes like I could kill them. I got stand ovation. So the second show, while I was really ready and I'm comfortable now, I got a half a stand ovation, like, like half of the people stood up. But the owners saw me. <laughs> And they, um, and when Frank Sheffield went to them and said, um, that's Eric Nolan or the OJ, yada, 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 would you like to bring him in? So they said, we'll bring him in on a, like on a trial night on a Monday. And they brought me back on a Monday because I had did that with Melba. So they brought me back on a, on a Monday and I sold the place out on a Monday. Well, you know, Blue Valley is big, but sellout still sound good. <laughs> 
Yeah. Not that big, but still, I still sound good. So I sold it out on Monday, and then the second show was just crowded. It just, you know, it was a nice crowd. Like, they didn't lose no money. Um, I kind of broke even once I paid everybody and all that kind of stuff. But it was just worth it, was worth it to me to play Blue Valley, to have that on my resume. And it was worth it to me to say I sold out Blue Valley, where you already know the history, Dizzy Gillespie, Bradford Marcellus. I mean, you name any of the jazz greats, they all came through Blue Valley. Am I, not, am I right? You're right. So I wanted that on my resume. So uh, that's how I got that gig, by just thinking outside the box, just doing what I felt that felt good. I'm going to run up to Blue's Alley. I'm going to put myself up. This was for free. It wasn't even about the money. Like I told you early, way early in our conversation, some things just ain't about the money to me. And Melba, you know, we we, we, um, we bonded and we, we got a friendship. And so I asked her and she said, cool. When Melba came to Cleveland and she did a, did a performance, she called me. She said, Eric, would you come and do um, a couple of songs before I come on stage? I said, yeah, sure. And I went out there and just did it. No money, no nothing. I just did it. You know what I'm saying? Because sometimes it ain't it ain't always about that. I didn't even ask her. I didn't say, well, how much you going to give me? I didn't say nothing. I just make sure my mic is right. You know, so um, me and Big Joe, Big Joe, who was Gerald LaVert's bodyguard, Big Joe is my role manager now. And so me and Big Joe, we went up there and knocked it out. And uh, that's just that's just who I am, man. That's just who I am. That's that's who Eric Nolan is, you know. And that's how I got the Blues Alley gig. And I like to say that I did pretty good up there. I'm looking forward to doing it again. Um, hopefully, um, hopefully they'll give me a, a another kind of night. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's the same thing I did. I did. Um, uh, 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 the winery up there, they gave me a Sunday. But I get it. I get it. As a solo artist, I get it. You got to work by the sweat of your brow. You got to earn those stripes. You got to earn those stripes to get in the big room. I was in the small room on a Sunday. I did good. I didn't do great. I did good. You know what I'm saying? I had a decent, I had a, a nice, decent house. But I did it on a Sunday. And even, even the lady who I had to open up the show for me, she said, why would you be here on a Sunday? Why did they give you a Sunday? Sunday's like the worst night you get. I said, I guess I got to earn my stripes. And I'm willing to do that. But you're OJ. Mm-hmm. No, I'm Eric Nolan. Eric Nolan is totally different. Eric Nolan got to go through the, he got to go through those lumps and bumps. You know, no time to be a diva. You gotta go through the. You gotta go through that 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 other, that other stage of of creating your own. You know, so I'm cool with it. I I know how the game goes, and I know what I have to do. So I just have to keep doing that. So that's how that came about. <laughs> there's a story between with. There's a story behind all of this, man. You go. You better ask me something like. Uh, what's my zodiac sign or something? <laughs> it's a story that goes with all of this, man. <laughs> it's all love, bro. 
like I said, man, when I um, reached out to you, man, like, I know that you're bigger than the um, – not bigger than the OJs, but, you know, there's more to you than just being one-third of the OJs. Like, you know, you have your own identity, you have your own stuff. So it's all love. Again, it's your testimony. I'm learning a lot about you. I'm sure my listeners are learning, learning a lot about you. So that's, that's what it's all about is giving artists a platform to express their truths, their testimony, and let people know, like, yeah, I am in the OJs, but there's more to me than that also. Speaking of, let's talk about this um, book really quick. I Am a Brother's Keeper. So you have the book. You're going to adapt that into a film. Just really quickly, ideally, who would you like to see play you when they get the film out, if you had your own pick? If, if, If I had it my way, it would be Omar Epps. If I had it my way, but who they were, who they were talking about to get to play me, I ain't mad at them. You know what I'm saying? They wanted Tank to play me. Tank has a has a, a a nice little edgy background, and he you know he got a nice little street background. I'm, I'm not sure if he's as street as street as me or street as I was, but I know that he has a street background, so I know he can he can kind of relate to it. But if it was me. I would have, I, you know, I would have said Omar Epps, but they feel like Tank would be good. So they're still trying yeah. to, um, I think they got the funding now, but see the COVID-19 thing kind of put everything on halt. Um, the book came after the screenplay. Like um, when, when Sinidra Potter wrote the, you know, when we did the story, <laughs> wow, look, Again, I came up with this idea. I went to Atlanta to talk to this lady named um, Michelle Kuykendall. And I went to go pitch two other movies. I had two other movie ideas. And, of course, again, like I told you, I didn't write it down. So I explained the movie to her. She liked the movie. I explained the second movie to her. She liked the movie. Because she had a deal to bring in new new um, movie ideas with this um, production company. So I told her these two ideas. She liked them. She said, tell me something about yourself. Where do you come from? Where do you grow up at? What's your life like? And she just got to ask me questions, and I got to answer the questions. She said, your, your life is a, is a movie. She said, your life is a biopic. She said, this, she said, this right here is better than anything you told me. It was her idea. It was Michelle Kuykendall's idea to do a, a biopic on me. It wasn't my idea. I would have never thought that my my that that even my um my life was even interesting like that. I know I come from a different a lot of different facets of of this whole thing, but I didn't ever think of it as a biopic. So when 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 I got finished talking to her, she said, um, "I'm." I'm I'm going to put you in touch with this writer. She said, you need to tell her what you told me. No, 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 not what she said. I'm sorry. She said, tell her what you told me, but she had it on tape. So she let Sinesia hear it. And she wanted me to fine-tune it. So when I talked to Sinesia, she came back with the script. We had the script. And it was already, and they were trying to get a movie situation with it. Now, because it's my story, and I had the script, when I started Boy Wonder Records, 
I had a young lady by the name of Wendy Peterson who that's what she did for a living. She wrote books. And when I let her read the script, she was floored. She started crying and everything. I mean, tears, because of some tear-jerking moments in the, in the, in the, in the, in the uh, screenplay. So she said, this is a book. And what are they doing with the movie? At the time, they wasn't moving. They wasn't doing anything with the movie. So I put it in a, so she put it in a book form. And the only thing stopped her from releasing the book was she wanted, you know, nostalgic pictures from me as a kid and my mother and all of that kind of stuff. You know what I'm saying? The house and all of that, where, where, where this took place at. And she just wanted all those things before we finished the book. And we just hadn't finished the book. And then I got a call saying, I got funding for your movie. So that's the last, you know, like this was like, uh, the last talk I had on this movie was like two weeks ago. They was waiting for the COVID thing to lighten up, you know what I'm saying, so they can go, you know, with, with, with uh, post-production or pre-production, I'm sorry. So um, that's what's happening with that. That's, that's, it, 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 was never, it wasn't my idea. It was Michelle Kuykendall's idea. Um, but people seem to, to like the idea and just putting it in the movie form. When I talked to Robert Townsend, about it, he thought it was great, but he thought it was going to take some money to do because it was a period piece. You know, he said, you know, you got you have to get those clothes, you have to get those cars, you have to get so many different things to make that movie believable. So he thought it was a, you know, he thought the budget was going to be pretty, but those people in Atlanta don't feel the same way. They feel like they can make they can make movie magic. So we'll see what happens. That's all I can tell you about that. I'm looking forward to it because I'm a big fan on biopics. So we talked about the solo career. We talked about OJs. We talked about the book. We talked about the film. We still got two more things to talk about. Really quickly, tell me about, tell me about some of your artists, um, G-Men, Billy Rich, and Dapper. And then let's, talk, let's get into your radio stuff with your shows For the Lover and You and the Soul of R&B music. Okay. When I put this, when I when I put this this um, when I put this uh, record label together, it was just an idea that I, I, brought, I brought Jay Sean in, and I told him I wanted to, I wanted to um, do this group. I want to do a group called the Gentlemen. I said I want to do a group called the Gentlemen. Five guys, like Temptation. And he said, I like the idea, huh? Let's do it. I said, okay, so we got to get the members. Okay, I, I, I didn't see, I didn't hear nobody in Cleveland that really could, that I could really put together like that or that was even already a group like that because we're in the era of everybody wants to be a solo artist. Everybody wants to be me, 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 me. I want all the attention on me. I want everybody love me. So I already knew I wasn't going to get no thing group here. So I heard this one guy. Uh, Johnny Youngblood. I heard him in a karaoke bar, and he sounded like Bobby Womack to me. He just he just had that Bobby Womack, Anthony Hamilton type of vibe, and 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 he and he was a thug. He was a flat out thug. Loved it. That was my David Ruffin. You know what I mean? Like like I knew that was my edgy guy. I needed that guy, and he could sing his butt off. So I talked to him. Had him come to my car. We had a long talk. 
He was down. I said, okay, man, I just got to put four more guys around you. We're going to be good. So I'm, so I'm trying to find these guys, man, and, and I'm, I'm, having, I'm having trouble. So I, I go on YouTube and I see this guy named Andy Pierre, prettiest tenor I ever heard since, since Eddie Kendrick. That's my guy. I need that guy. So I found out where he was at, and I'm inboxing him, and I'm talking to him and this and that. He's up in Miami. He liked the idea, the gentleman. He loved the idea. So I'm doing a show in Augusta, Georgia, and this young man comes out in front of us. It was uh, OJ's, Howard Hewitt, and then this guy named Lavelle. He came out. He's this local dude. He wasn't even local. He was just a friend of the of the promoters, and the promoters, you know, throw him a bone every now and then because he's from Kansas City. I heard this dude. I called Jay Sean immediately. Said Jay Sean, listen to this guy, and dude was singing. I was like, Jay Sean. I said, that's our Charlie Wilson right there. That's, that's, that's the guy. I said, that's the guy we need to round this off. I said, then we can just put two other guys with him, and they can be whatever. They can dance or whatever. As long as they can do steps, we good. He's like, okay, good. <clears throat> so now I talked to Lavelle behind stage, and Lavelle liked the idea, so we kept in touch, kept in touch. He loved it. So I flew those guys into Cleveland to record. With my in my mind, I'm thinking I'll just replace, you know, I'll just get two other guys to make it five when we take the pictures or whatever. But I need these three voices, and so we I started recording them. I flew them in, put them up, we recorded. We started recording records, just recording, 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 and we just started coming up with some great records on these guys. So I took them out to a club and let them sing at this club, and they blew the club away. And I said. Uh, I just got to find the other two guys. And I remember this guy telling me, he said, why? Why do you need two other guys? So the group is right there. I said, sure is. So because I thought the name Gentleman was so big, you know, because the name is long, we look at the name and say The Gentleman, like The Temptations. It just automatically just makes you think it's a lot of people. I said, Okay, I'm cutting the name down to G-Man. I'm going to call him G-Man. Because, see, I can take that name and go anywhere with it. I can, I, they can be gentlemen or they can be gangsters. You see what I'm saying? They could be, you know, I could, I could, I could make them kind of real cool. So I called them G-Man. So that's how they came about. Nahemi and Billy Rich. Me searching for Andy Pierre, I saw this girl on, on, on YouTube singing these songs, and she was incredible. She was so incredible that I thought she was lip syncing. So I had to go and dig deep and see, and see if she was doing some stuff that's like with no music or something. And so I heard her do stuff without no music, so I got in touch with her. I found her on YouTube, and that's why I got in touch with Nahaney. Nahaney was living in Atlanta at the time. So... I called Michelle Kuykendall because she was always my point of reference in Atlanta. So I called Michelle Kuykendall. I said, look, I'm coming up to Atlanta for a day to meet up with this young lady named Nahemi. I need you to go to this meeting with me. Met up with Nahemi. We met at Justin's, uh, uh, Puffy's place at the time when it was open. We met at Justin's. I talked to her. I told her what my, my idea was. My idea was to create the next Gladys Knight in the pits. That was my idea. That's who Nahemi and Billy Rich was. My next Gladys Knight in the Pips. And because Nahemi's name was so 
exotic, you know what I'm saying, because she's Haitian. So her name was so so exotic, I wanted to put, I wanted a name to, uh, for the other three guys, I wanted a name to be kind of tough. And I never forget. We were going to call them. I said it would be. I said it would be so dope if I could call them Joey Rich, but it was already somebody named Joey Rich, and I was putting on some. Uh, I was putting on some True Religion, the Billy Jean, and I called Jay Sean and said I got it. I said we call him Billy Rich. So Billy is a tough name. Okay, how yeah. are you doing? You say Billy. You call anybody Billy. You, they, you know, what I'm saying. If they name if their name is William, their name is Billy. Am I right? You're all right. Okay, so now I got my little part of the tough name, but I still want them to be classy. So I, I put the rich in there because these guys are going to always wear suits. They're going to always be dressed like the pips. So Nahami and Billy Rich. So I got these three guys. I got these three guys out of Cleveland to do Billy Rich. Now, all three of these guys are, lead, are solo singers by right, but they was willing to be Billy Rich for me. You know what I'm saying? Because they want to be part of this process, this old boy wonder process. So I put that together, and I talked to Bubba Knight. And even though we did these records on Nahemi, we were going to do one cover of Gladys Knight and the Pips, um, um, you're the best thing that ever happened to me. I was going to have Bubba Knight teach them the choreography and do the video and showing them the choreography. And Bubba said he'd do it. I called Bubba right now. He'd tell you. Whatever boy, want, whatever, uh, boy Wonder wants. Only thing he wants me to do is bring them to Vegas. And he'd do it. That's my, I had it mapped out, bro. I had, I had all of it mapped out. And Dapper was my my young temptation. Dapper was the ones that, that they, they're all athletes. They're, they're, they're like 21, 22 years of age, six-pack, pretty boys, all of that. But I was going to dress them like GQ models. Like all of them could be on the cover of GQ at any given point. I told them no sagging pants. No, none of that. Y'all not rappers. We ain't doing no rapping, no nothing. Everything is class. Cause we both know this as 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 men. You can't you you can't beat a good suit. You can't beat it. I don't care what you put on. You can't beat a good suit. Class don't go out of style. Class don't have no no time frame or time period. Class is class. Period. Right? Yes, sir. Wake up, man. <laughs> Just listen to me. It's how I absorb information. So I, I really got to focus. Huh? You said, yeah, what now? It's how I absorb information. So I'm yeah, I am. Um, yeah, but that's, that's <laughs> all my, that's all of my, um, that's my, that's my thing. That's my, all of this was, was my idea, and Jay Sean, he he um, just helped me implement it because he gives me he, he we'll go in and we'll cut records on these people exactly how I vision it. 
and we got records on these people, man. We got records. And the reason why I won't put them out when people ask me about, about my acts, why, why, why you won't put them out? Why you won't put them on the radio? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? I said, because these are great records, and I'm not going to waste them. I'm the guinea pig. See, Eric Nolan wasn't really supposed to have been a solo artist. I was doing the solo thing to create, to create attention to come create attention to the label because everybody felt like that I had the name and that I've come from, you know, a legendary situation. So they would take to me a little quicker. So we were trying to get attention drawn to Boy Wonder Records. So I was going to go out there and take the lumps and the bumps for and before, before I put the groups out. And because the groups are R&B, it costs more money to to promote them. Yeah. It costs way more money to, prom- to promote them than it does for contemporary jazz or adult contemporary. Right? Yes, sir. So I put myself out there as the guinea pig to draw attention. And even to this day, I just had a um, conversation with a guy a couple months ago. I said, I got to have a distribution situation where when I drop a record, it goes to radio. I don't need anything else. I don't need nobody to give me no money, no funding for no videos. I don't need nobody to give me no funding for no pictures. I don't need nobody to give me no funding for recording, for songs, for producers, for nothing. All I need is distribution that when I drop a record, it goes to radio. That's all I need. I don't need nothing else. Everything else I build. I got everything else. I got it in-house. I got it in-house, bro. I got a movie crew. I got a movie production crew that if I wanted to record, a, if I wanted to do a movie, I could. Dope. So that's the only thing that held me up from, I just did not want to waste the group. I did not want to waste the act. You know what I'm saying? Because it's not like the old days where you got independent radio stations and I can release a record and then it catches on fire and then all the other stations will pick it up. It's not like that anymore. This is the 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 the, the radio game is 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 um is corp is corporations now. You got one corporation owns twelve hundred stations. Unfortunately. Right. Right? Unfortunately. right. So it ain't like it was back in the day. If if, I, if it was like it was back in the day, I'd have dropped this. I'd have dropped this record here, Toledo and Detroit, and let it burn up. And let, I mean, and go and maybe go up to Buffalo and drop that record because that's an independent station. It's not like that no more. I'm trying to get a black book on independent stations right now because I'm gonna drop. I'm gonna, I'm gonna drop these singles to see where they land. That's what you got to do. I still got the I, I still got the axe, and I still got the axe right now. I even told them, "Y'all go do your own thing. Go make some money. Go, and it'll get graded later. When I, when it's time to do what we got to do, if if some of y'all done picked up weight, y'all going in the gym. If some of y'all look <laughs> a little bit older, y'all gonna y'all gonna shave. Y'all gonna get lined up. Y'all gonna cut your hair. Y'all gonna do whatever. But we gonna go make this happen." Because these records are timeless. The records we cut on them is timeless. Because that's why Jay Sean Wright. Yeah. The end. 
Hello folks, this is Morgan Freeman, and I want you to tune back in next week for the soulful finale of this interview. Hashtag reviews and done.